When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Go behind the wheel and under the hood on everything automotive with high-speed stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Join Josh and Chuck, the guys who bring you Stuff You Should Know, as they take a trip around the world to help you get smarter in a topsy-turvy economy. Check out the all-new Super Stuff Guide to the Economy from HowStuffWorks.com, available now exclusively on iTunes. Welcome back to High Speed Stuff. Thanks for tuning in. You've got Ben here. That's me. You've got Scott over there, the head auto editor. Stepped over you, but that's all right. Hi, Ben. How's it going? Uh, It's going well, man, except to, to be honest with you, Scott... You know, things really pick up here after the holidays, around March. Mm-hmm. It's a it's yeah. pretty busy time for us, would you busy. say? Yeah. And so we're here somewhere between the the winter holidays and the and the golden days of summer. And to be honest, I'm feeling a vacation. Oh, okay. Wonder where you're going with that. But uh, now I see. What, what's up? What are you uh, What are you planning? Well, I was thinking about uh, a couple of different places. You know, I won't bore you with the details. I'll, I'll get right down to it. Sure. I wanted to go to Cuba, but we can't really go to Cuba very easily in this country. That's right. Yeah, you can't really. But uh, you would. I don't. It'd be a very interesting place to visit. I'll tell you that. And there's one thing I think you would be very interested in, my friend. I'm and sure I would be. I think I know what you're talking about. What is it? Classic cars. Classic cars. Yeah, that's right. Cuba's got a ton of classic cars. There's kind of an oddity, and there's a reason why that happened, but mm. the streets are filled with classic cars. Now, when we say classic, let's say we're, we're talking uh, ballpark years. Huh? What's what's the newest classic car? <laughs> I, <laughs> I would say 1959 would be the newest, uh, possibly 1960. I'm not 100% sure just because of you know the, the model year of the vehicle. But, oh, yeah. Uh, you're talking late 50s. Uh, American vehicles. So so anything American that's a vehicle in Cuba is probably late 50s, huh? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's right. At the at the least. That's right. 50s. Yeah. yeah. And the reason behind that is because there was a revolution, 1959, the Cuban Revolution, the mm-hmm. end of it. And uh, that's when the U.S. imposed a trade embargo. And, and from that point forward, no U.S. cars were imported. Yeah. And we should, I guess we should be fair to say that this the situation in Cuba, what began around 1953, mm-hmm. um, Proceeded to uh, what fifty nine 
right? And then at sixty was a was a hard cutoff, uh, probably in fifty nine. So the only the only cars that would be nineteen sixty American models, if there are any, um, are probably ones that came over in nineteen fifty nine. Probably, yeah. That's yeah. that's uh, best guess. I mean, I've never been there to see them, right? <laughs> or you can't really. It's tough to verify something like that. But yeah, that's uh, that's a good guess. Right around the late fifties and fifty nine, probably. Now these things. Are still running? Is that true? Yeah, they're in very good condition. That's the that's the the strange part about this is that, you know, if if you're cut off from the supply of something and this is all you have left, you're gonna mm-hmm. you're gonna maintain that vehicle, you know, the, the best way that you can. This, uh, you're gonna keep it in tip top running condition, and that's what they do. And they've actually made a um, you know a bit of a um, a little bit of an industry out of it. You know, they run classic taxi cabs and uh, you know oh. chauffeuring <laughs> type services where you know um, people you know it's it's an oddity. I mean, it's it's pretty awesome to be able to get into let's say a you know 1957 chevy and you know tour cuba yeah with, with the local you know who can point out all of the uh all of you know the the interesting highlights and you know maybe along the coast or wherever you want to go and you know it might cost you 50 dollars a day or something like that but that's you know pretty good money for a cuban right now um yeah. uh, i think i read something that you know they said that the average cuban makes you know Fifteen to twenty-five dollars a month was something that I read. Mm-hmm. So can you imagine making fifty dollars in one day just by you know taking some tourists around town? Sure, uh, you got to yeah. be doing pretty well. And plus, you know that helps you maintain your vehicle. You'll be able to um, you know buy parts or you know have something worked on that needs to be repaired. Yeah. Um, you know it's it's vital for them to keep these cars. It's really important for them, critical I should say, for them to keep these cars in top running form. Well, let's let's take a second and, and talk about that, Scott, because mm-hmm. that seems very interesting. The the parts. The maintenance uh, brings up two immediate questions. Uh, number one, how are these parts taken care of? Because a lot of parts that I guess we would call in America we call disposable or something, you mm-hmm. know, um, those could present uh, difficulty, mm-hmm. especially if we're talking U.S. cars because they need U.S. parts. Uh, and then the second question would be, which I guess you've already kind of answered, the cost of maintaining this vehicle, mm-hmm. you know, especially given if someone only makes uh, 15 to 20 a month. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, you know, not everybody's running the uh, the taxi services and not everybody's doing it. They're, they're using it to get back and forth from work or to mm-hmm. travel, you know, across the island, whatever they have to do. Um, so not everybody's making money off their car. So they're, you know, they are investing in parts and repairs. Um, they, I guess they're apparently very crafty. And, uh, you know, how they, how they come up with these are very, uh, very clever. Um, you know, parts are fabricated or created. Um, they carve steering wheels, you know, out of wood that, you know, normally wouldn't be a wooden piece. But, you know, this in this case really? it is. They, um, you know, they, they fabricate parts that you and I wouldn't normally think in a way that you and I wouldn't normally think to do. Okay. Um, so they're very clever. and um, But they're also very conscious that, you know, it has to be... Um, they're not worried about making it accurate or anything like that, but mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're conscious that they have to keep that car running. Yeah, that's important. So, um, you know, the the odd thing, like we we talked about, is that you know there's so many of these cars, and I think we should talk about the numbers maybe a little bit. Yeah, do you um, have some numbers? Well, I have kind of a, a just a rough guess at these numbers because nothing's really, you know, set in stone exacting yeah. on this. Well, let's ballpark um, it. All right. Well, I, I've got some rough numbers here because nothing's you know set in stone for this. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if we if we talk about um, how many cars were on the island in 1959, the number is estimated at around 150,000. Okay. Okay. And I've seen recent numbers that say that right now there are 60,000 classics that remain on the island. And US then that would be drivable. That's right. 60,000 okay. drivable classics that remain on the island. That means that you know the, either there's a bunch of cars that are junked on the island, or they've been mm-hmm. cannibalizing them for parts, mm-hmm. um, or they're just 
you know, laying in junkyards somewhere, or they've, they're just gone to ruin. Possibly barn finds? Possibly. Well, <laughs> <laughs> could be, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about those later, maybe. All right. And um, well, of those of those 60,000, uh, it's estimated that 50% are from the 1950s. Wow. So that's a lot of them. Yeah. 30,000 are from that. 25% of those are from the 1940s, and another 25% are, are predate the 40s. Really? So, yeah, so there's some pretty old vehicles out there right now that are still in operation on the island. So it's got to be really something to see. Sure. Um, you know, just a, a day in town might look like, you know, an, a classic car event here in the States. <laughs> right, exactly, an auto cool. show. I, mean, I would really like to see that. I, I, I would as well. I can just see the uh, Packard pulling up, right? Oh, yeah, <laughs> sure, the, you know, with seating for eight, you know, yeah. in, in a, in a four-door vehicle. No, yeah, go ahead. I've, I've got to ask. We're, we're talking so far about American cars because it was an American trade embargo mm-hmm. that, that placed Cuba in this anachronistic environment. But I've also looked into things a little bit, uh, and it seems like there's America's not the only player in the car game in Cuba. Is that true? That's true, yeah. Yeah, there are some imports that are coming from other nations that, uh, you know, they just have this trade embargo with the U.S. Okay. So um, I'm not sure if it covers anybody else or not as well, but I know that there have been some cars imported from Russia. There have been some cars that have come in from France and Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, so you may see a Peugeot or you may see a Fiat or something like that. Oh, okay. The, the odd thing is, and this is, you know, I don't know if this is funny or what, but All right. those cars seem to not last as long as the cars from the U.S. that were built in the 1950s. Oh, yeah? So the newer vehicles are... I don't want to call them disposable, but mm-hmm. they kind of are. They're not. They're not lasting, uh, as, you know, as the uh, the American classics are. They're they're in in the end of the at the end of the day, they're not as durable to the people in Cuba. Correct. Okay. Correct, well, yep. there could be some reasons for that, right? There, there's more. Uh, as we said, just from it, it's a pretty high attrition rate to go from 150,000 cars to 60,000. That's correct. So yeah. there's definitely we have to assume there's some sort of cannibalization, and maybe there's not another, you know, a, another few cars for every Fiat out oh, there. Oh, sure. So maybe they just don't have the parts to Could get be. it. Could be. Once it's broken, it's broken, and that's it. It sits there for years and years sure. if it ever gets back up on its feet. So uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of reasons. I mean, yeah. like you said, they've they've uh, you know the the supply has dwindled, but mm-hmm. you know, the ones that are there and still operating, uh, you know, they're they're well maintained, well taken care of. What a vacation that would be, though. Huh? It would be. Yeah. Well, I don't know, Scott. Do you, do you have any anything else for us about classic cars in Cuba? Hmm. No, not really. But I would like to. Uh, I think you know before we close out here, I'd, yeah. I'd like to do something here. I'd like to read um, a message that we got from a listener. Some listener mail? Yeah, listener mail. <laughs> That's right. Uh, it's actually something, um, this is something that we said that um, you had a ne- your nephew. Oh, that, uh, uh, not a nephew, four-year-old uh, friend of mine, Ian. Oh, a friend, okay, four-year-old <laughs> friend of yours. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, this is for Ian, I guess. Um, he mentioned that uh, cars look like they had a face. Yes. And uh, one of our listeners, Brandon... Uh, wrote to us and said that there's a good reason that they look like they have a face, and that is because uh, the marketing, um, that's a marketing reason. It says that they want to make it look like it's a happy car, a fun car. And um, I, I kind of believe that. I mean, if you think back to, it, it, he mentions the Mini as the new example. Okay. Um, look back to uh, the Dodge Neon when that vehicle first came out. They had the front end of the car, what looked like a, clearly looked like a smiling face. Right. And I think the, the entire ad campaign was something as simple as high. <laughs> or hello or something like that. It was very, very simple, 
and um, yeah, it, it seemed to pay off. I mean, they sold a million. I mean, well, millions of mm-hmm. those vehicles. Um, so yeah, I think there's a good good reason behind that. But a lot of cars do have the look like a face. Um, if you notice that, and I'm sure you know everybody has spotted that, but there's a good reason behind it. it sells cars. Yeah, and we we checked on this uh, mail too. I guess we should just end it. That part was saying that uh, Brandon recommends the four year old should go to business school. Is <laughs> is how he ended the email, right? Yeah, that's right. Now, now Brandon, I also notice is going to Michigan State University, so uh, mm-hmm. maybe he has uh, the MSU business school in mind. So maybe he can, I don't know. Yeah. cut on tuition or something yeah maybe we can build some build some bridges yeah, make maybe. some connections here maybe well thank you so much Brandon for writing in and uh, want to take a moment here to embarrass Scott just a little you're way too modest to brag oh, about boy. it oh, but we have a blog uh, on the homepage now it's the high speed stuff blog that's right we do and uh, you, again you can find it on the homepage and I post there every day so you know it's a chance for people to you know write back and you know, make their opinions known yeah, it's so check it out. Fascinating information about all things auto related, and you can find it on the homepage of HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.